0: Well, here we are, at home, in our living rooms, with
1: With our our families. families, with those we love. Today, wherever
2: you're located, no, we're not alone.
3: You are not alone. We are still connected.
2: Today, we're gathering as one body. One body. One body. Because the church is not one building.
1: It never has been.
2: It never has been.
1: We gather today as one church. One church.
0: To lift up one name.
1: The name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.
0: So wherever you are, today is the day the Lord has made.
4: Today is the day we give him thanks.
0: So let's unite. Let's worship together. Let's praise his name. For he's worthy of it today.
1: And every day. We're still a church. We are the church. Let's be the church. We are
5: the church.
1: We are the
5: church. Good morning, Grace Church. Thanks for tuning in this morning. So glad we get to gather together in the name of Jesus to lift him above every name, to lift him above every situation. So this is good. It's good for every one of our souls and it's good for the not just us, but the people around us too. So let's be the church this morning. Let's stand up. Let's celebrate our God together. Amen. Come on. One, two. Wherever you're at, let's stand up. Let's put our hands together. Come
3: on. The weapon may be fought, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. the God I serve knows only how to try it
5: Turn it for good. You Turn it for good. Everything, Lord. You take what the enemy meant
3: for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Yeah. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good.
5: victory in your name, in your name alone, God. We stand in your strength this morning. We stand in your grace this morning. I count
3: on one thing: the same God who never fails. When I fail me now, You won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who's never fails is working all things out, working all things out. Oh yes, I will. i yeah.
5: Church, one of the things I, I try to live by is this phrase, um, i said it a lot over the years, I said, don't let your circumstances define your worship, but let your worship define your circumstances. And uh, we got circumstances, we're in the middle of a lot, just as people, and uh, I just want to challenge you this morning as we sing this last song. Let worship be at the forefront this morning. Let worship be at the forefront. Put God above everything this morning and watch him change things. Watch him change your atmosphere. Come on. Fire inside my veins The echo of my days opera in the valley you are good whether we've got everything we wanted or everything's going sideways we say you are good that's who you are God you can't be anything different you are good so we focus and we declare your goodness today we focus on it set our attention on your goodness this morning in Jesus name and the church said amen amen Again, good morning, Grace. I'm so glad we get to be together today. It's good for my soul, it's good for your soul, right? We need this, we need this time of just celebrating God together, being together as a church. Uh, I'm so glad we're together this morning. Thank you, thank you for being a part of us. So, I want to uh, introduce a video we're going to show here. Uh, we have a special treat. Uh, Don and Sandy Godwin are the Leaders of Hope Chapel in Rosarito, Mexico. They're a ministry that we partner with and support, and uh, we've sent missions teams there for years, an amazing ministry. It's amazing what God is doing there, and so I'm blessed. They have an update for us, and we're excited to share that with you this morning.
2: Hey, hello to all of our friends there at Grace Church Federal Way. Don and Sandy Godwin here with a quick hello from all the way down in Rosarito, Mexico.
4: So the coronavirus continues to impact us here in several ways. We've been unable to meet together as a church since early March but we've been learning to live stream and that's (laughs) been going pretty well. But we do miss being together and we miss our ministry time at the border.
2: So we've been staying in touch with all of our church families through Facebook and so on and we do remind each one that this isn't forever. Mm Now in mexico there's been no government supplied economic relief so we do get regular requests for food and other kinds of help and of course we do whatever we can
4: because of the lockdown we've also had to cancel all of our visiting teams for the summer which includes you grace church and i'm sorry about that we know that when you're here it's a blessing for us a blessing for our church a blessing for mexico and from what we've heard a blessing for you too so we try to remind ourselves that this is only a season and we trust god to give us an opportunity to be together again real soon
2: one huge positive is our bible institute listen our first group is small only four students but each one of those four feels the call of god in their life to become church planters so that's obviously very exciting to us we're just finishing up our first semester right now and after a short summer break we plan to launch another group in the fall so we're going to have two cohorts running simultaneously. And again, the goal in all of this is to begin planting more churches up and down the length of the Baja Peninsula, fulfilling the vision God gave us when we first came here in 2008.
4: The family is doing well. I'm recovering from a broken foot. I Ouch. had a surgery to have a screw installed about a week and a half ago, but I'm feeling better. Um, in these past day or two. And we also have some other good news. Our daughter Emily and her husband Nathan are expecting their first child at the end of October. And we are excited because that will be grandbaby number seven. Couldn't be happier.
2: That's why I'm working on the beard. So (laughs) I was thinking yesterday about how the psalmist wrote, and this is in Psalm 130, it says, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. So, yeah, sometimes the night really does seem like it won't ever end. But the good news is we know the Lord is still in control using this time in his own way, and not only is he going to bring all of us through it, he'll turn it into a victory, a great victory as only he can.
4: Listen, we want you to know how much the Grace family means to us yeah. without your partnership we're just not going to be able to be here so it's as simple as that beyond that you have always treated us like family we miss you guys we love you guys we can't wait till we get to see you again but until then please keep us in your prayers and we'll do the same for you
2: so hasta la vista you guys
4: love you
1: Church, so good to be with you this morning. We're gonna continue in our time of worship through our tithes and offering. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you so much. God, that you are a God that provides. Lord, this morning we choose to give back to you what is already yours. And we ask God that you would take what we are giving, that you would receive it, you would use it, God, to impact your kingdom here in Federal Way, at our church, God. We trust you with everything that we have and we choose to give with a cheerful heart this morning. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Church, if you have not had a chance to come to our building and you have connected with us online, we have a platform for you to be able to get connected and let us know that you're part of our family. If you go to our church center app, you'll be able to go to a place that says New to Grace. We encourage you to fill that out so that we can reach out and get connected with you. It's that time of year where we're celebrating our high school graduates. If you have a senior that's graduating this year, we want to celebrate with you. Will you send us a picture of your senior as well as their full name? You can send that to info at GCFW.org and we're going to have a special celebration just for our graduates on June 14th. So good. All right, you know what time it is. Grab your notebooks, grab your Bibles, and get ready to hear the word from Pastor Omar.
0: Hey Grace Church family. It's so great to be with you today. Uh, You know, it's such an honor to have us come into your home. Uh, I never take that for granted. So thank you for tuning in, Uh, whether it's live with us or it's later on during the week. uh, It's so important that we stay together, stay connected. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity to have this technology to be able to continue to stay together. Well, you know, I come to you today with, uh, with a bit of a broken heart and a grieving spirit over the senseless death of George Floyd. You know, many of you have seen what has happened with your own eyes. It was hard not to. And I know that for many of us, it elicited a lot of emotions. At least I know it did for me. You know, emotions of, of anger and deep sorrow because of the degree of violence that this man had to endure. He you know, angry that people stood and watched and anger that our justice system seemed too slow to respond and to react. Anger that good police officers are now looked at as the enemy or mistrusted. Anger that it happened because of a few evil men. Anger in the fact that this week it was George Floyd and last month it was Ahmaud Aubrey and knowing that there is many, many other African American people who, uh, whose stories haven't been heard. But knowing that it still happens, it still happens every day. I was broken and I want to tell you that my anger was not towards a person or a people group, it was aimed towards Sin. The nature of sin and how it has broken and has divided our world for too long you know racism and evil and murder they all come from the same place Jesus talked about this he said that it all comes from the heart and the only hope that our world has is to have true transformation of the heart and we know Friends, we know that that could only happen through Christ and Christ alone. That could only happen through the transformation power of the gospel. Because the Bible tells us this. It says that that through that transformation, through the new life, through what Jesus did for us and offered for us, that there is this transforming power that it can change a heart. Ezekiel says that God's work is like taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. That's my hope. That's our hope. But the reason why many of us were shook by, by all that transpired this week is because I believe that as God's people, there's something inside us. There's something that happens when we, when we see injustice happen. We grieve in our spirit. You know, The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 7, it says that the righteous care about the injustice of the poor or those that are marginalized or those that do not have a voice. It says that the godly people should care about that. It says, but the wicked have no such concern. See, we know this throughout scriptures that God is a just God. God is a God of justice. And when his people see injustice, we should be the first to speak up. We should be the first to stand up. We should be the first to lead. But when it comes to uh, racial injustice and the fight against racism, I feel convicted that I've allowed that burden to be upon our African American pastors and their congregations but not anymore. I believe that we are rising up as a church together, united on this front. And my hope and prayer is that we would stand up and we would be united. Now I know, I know, this could be a daunting task. I know, I've been wrestling with that because many of us do not know where to start. And oftentimes we end up doing nothing simply because we don't know what we can do. You know, I I had a totally different message set up for this weekend. I was planning and preparing. I mean, I, I saw what was happening earlier this week, and I just I couldn't shake off the burden of wanting to connect with our church to really figure out how do we respond as a church. And, and the more I was trying to go one way, I felt the Spirit of God bring me this way and saying that I needed to take a pause and that we needed to take a moment today to respond and, and to learn how to respond in the right way. Not a response dictated by, by my feelings. Because if I'm honest with you today, my feelings and my emotions, are, I'm still working through it. I'm still processing through it. However, what I feel like and what I want to do today is bring us along to what I do when I feel overwhelmed with grief. And what I do is I go to the Word of God for the answers. I go to the Word of God to bring me comfort. I go to the Word of God to give me direction. And so that's what we will do, is that we're going to cling to the Word of God. Now I'm fully aware that a 30-minute sermon, <laughs> it will not be sufficient enough to even scratch the surface of, of the topic of racism and racial reconciliation. And that's not my intent today. Nor do I stand here and, and talk to you like I'm an expert in this. I'm not. But I will say this: that anytime we, we bring up this topic, it, it needs so much more. Like my experience is this: is that the best forum for this subject is through a series of continual discussions and dialogue given by a diverse panel of multiple voices speaking into it. Spaces in which you could have dialogue with the speakers. I mean, anytime I've had those experiences, I've always walked away feeling like true change occurred. Now, I've had, I wanna tell you that this week, I've had many conversations with people who are on the front lines with years of experience of working in this, Teachings of racial reconciliation, both locally and nationally. And we are preparing to bring, try to bring these teachers, to connect with these teachers, to help facilitate these kind of discussions with members here at Grace Church. And so I'm really working towards that, and I believe that we will be offering that in the near future. Yeah. Because we are committed, and I want to say this again if this is your home church, I'm telling you, we are committed right. to be a church that will be forward thinking, that will be wanting to educate and implement avenues to continue this work of racial reconciliation in our own community. But today as your pastor, I want to tell you that I'm choosing today to be transparent with you by sharing my heart. See, my intention is to mourn with those that are mourning today. We have many in our own church community that are hurting right now. And if we are to be the church that the Bible describes, and when those are, are hurting, we should feel the pain. We should feel and have empathy for them when they are hurting. When they are wounded, we should feel. And I want to tell anybody today that is grieving right now, that you, you're, you're working through that, and, and maybe you have a mix of emotions. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're discouraged. I want to, maybe you're all three of those emotions I want to tell you that you're not alone. You have a Grace Church family that is standing with you right. right now. We're standing alongside you. And we know that in our congregation, we have African-American brothers and sisters. We have people that are married to African-American, and, and, and they are trying to work through this. We also have people in our congregation that are in law enforcement and, and are married to people in law enforcement. And, and they carry this in a very heavy personal way today. And I want to tell you that we understand and we are standing with you. We are here to support and be with you. See, oftentimes, as Christians, we seem to kind of just stuff a lot of these things in we don't, because we don't know how to deal with these emotions. We don't know how to deal with these issues and how they trigger us and how they work through our lives. And we, just, we try to bury it deep because it just feels weird. that if, if, Can I be a Christian? Can I really be a person of faith when I'm struggling in these areas? And we don't want to admit it. So we try to bury it in. But the Bible, I'm so thankful for it because it gives us a roadmap on how to work through those things through the Word of God. And as I read the Word of God, from cover to cover, I always see this theme in there. And the theme is this, is that we can trust God's judgment. We can trust God that He is a just God and that He brings justice, that He is righteous. And that we have to understand that when we need justice, we turn to God first. You know, Romans twelve seventeen says this, it says, Never pay back evil for more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Friends, here's the thing. is Our responsibility as children of God, as the church, is not to seek revenge. We need to learn to respond. How do we respond? We respond in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we call ourselves Christ followers, then what that means for us is that we are, we have the Holy Spirit in us and the Holy Spirit in us is, he's a great reconciler and he wants us to be people that can be reconcilers with him. That's why the Bible tells us the blessed are the peacemakers. We ought to be peacemakers. I'm telling you, friends, the world is watching the church and how we are responding right now. And we need to show them the way of peace. We need to show them the way of love. We need to show them the way of forgiveness. We need to show them that, that restoration and reconciliation is possible. I mean, isn't that the pillars of our faith? Isn't that the message of the gospel? But before we can see any change around us, we got to be committed to allow change within us. So let's begin with opening our hearts today. Now, I just want to say, like, I know parents, I mean, this might feel a little heavy today, but I'm telling you, your kids are not, uh, they're too young to talk about race. I think there's, there's, there's appropriate ways to do it. But if you haven't done that yet, maybe that's a start for you. And maybe this morning could be an opportunity for that. So I want to pray for you parents. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for every heart that is watching today, that we would be open today, that we would, and and I'm telling you, this might be a little uncomfortable for some of us, but I want to move past that uncomfort because we need this today. I believe it with all my heart. So will you join me in prayer? Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit, that you would just lead us into this, Lord, that you would open our hearts, that we would be open to you, God. God, we believe that you are a God who cares, God who stands with us, a God who's for us. And God, whatever comes through this, Lord, today, uh, let it be a healing work, a freeing work, in Jesus' name, amen. So where, where do we start? Where do we start? Like I said, this is a big, a big subject, and I got a little bit of time, but I think I could do a lot in that. But how do we respond? When we're talking about racial reconciliation, this is the things that we have to go to first. We have to go to, what does the Bible say about this? Does the Bible, does the Bible talk about this topic? Is it in the Bible? Where does it come from biblically? And also bring it home and say, how does it look practically? My hope is in a short amount of time is to try to answer some of these questions for us because this is the one thing we know is that racism is not an American thing. It's not anything new. I mean, racism is as old as the Bible, meaning that the Bible, because of that, it has clear direction about it. It talks about this issue. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the first major conflict of the early church was to address the racial divide that was occurring among them. See, there was this deep division in the culture of the people in that day. And this division was not just between two groups of people, rather multiple groups of people. We see conflicts in this time between the Jews and the Gentiles, between slaves and masters, between the rich and the poor, between men and women. See, there was these deep divides across every line, both race, social status, and gender. I want to tell you that this was the culture that Jesus was born in. This was the exact culture that Christianity came out of. And Jesus, he would actually spend time with his disciples teaching against the dangers of these bigoted mindsets. You see glimpses of it every time that Jesus would take his disciples through the region of Samaria. You remember those stories? I mean, what you have to understand is there was this long history of this racial divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, there was a saying in the day uh, for, the, for the Jewish people that said that a piece of bread given by a Samaritan is more unclean than swine's flesh. When Jesus, when, he, when we read about the parable of the good Samaritan, I mean, imagine looking at it and reading it through that cultural context. It's only then that you start to understand why it was so shocking and offensive to this first century audience. We also see the Apostle Peter. Yes, the Apostle Peter struggled with this. You can read about it in Acts chapter 10 and Galatians chapter 2. I mean, listen to this. This was God-fearing, God-loving, Holy Spirit-filled people that were still struggling in this area. Why? Because, they were, because that mentality was deeply ingrained in the culture that they lived in. For example, another custom of the day was this for for a Jewish man. uh, He was encouraged to wake up every morning and say this prayer. This was the prayer for him. Blessed are you, Lord God, ruler of the universe, who did not create me a woman or a Gentile. I mean, I can imagine I'd be sleeping on the couch a lot if Misty heard me get up every morning and say that prayer. I mean, but that was what they grew up in. That was the culture of the day. We have to understand this, that bigotry was deeply ingrained in that first century culture. And it was passed on from generation to generation. An attitude that one group was superior, which made other groups feel inferior. And this attitude and this mindset is what we need to guard our hearts from. You know, if it was was an issue back then, then we have to recognize that it's still an issue today. Because the Bible tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, that this has always been part of the fallen nature of man. The book of Acts teaches us that racism was a struggle with the early church. No one was exempt from it either. That's why, but what we also see, and this is the good news, friends, the good news and the hope is that we also see that the Holy Spirit's power and the gospel message was there to set people free from it. And it was that transformative power. I mean, today, uh, many churches right now, we're celebrating this day marked as Pentecost Sunday, where God has given us the gift of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, where the early church was baptized in the Holy Spirit with power and boldness. I'm telling you, there's no coincidence that right now we're calling on that same Holy Spirit power to help us through this, because it's only through the Holy Spirit's power that we can bring true reconciliation, true heart transformation. But as you look at the history of the early church, as they begin to grow, and as the gospel began to spread, church congregations begin to be populated with many types of groups of people. No other time or no other groups allowed this type of mixing of different people. Christianity began to be marked by this cultural shift of unity among the nations. I mean, you gotta understand that. Now, do you think that it brought conflict? Do you think that it brought tension? Do you think that it brought controversy? absolutely. Yet in spite of all that, the Holy Spirit was a key component to how the church was able to work through this division. And I believe that it is still, he is still this key component in guiding us through this today. We're only going to be able to do it through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be a man-made thing. It's got to be heaven given. But there is one thing that must happen before we can experience the Holy Spirit's power in the midst of division. The first thing we need to do is we need to admit that it is still a problem today. See, I don't believe that it is a black or brown or white issue. I rather believe that it is a people issue. It's a hard issue. And to begin the, the hard work of transformation, it has to begin with our hearts First. We first have to admit, number one, that it exists. And secondly, we need to admit that it has influenced all of us. See, we all have parts of our backgrounds that have allowed us to carry some bias towards certain groups of people. Can we do that? Can we be honest with ourselves and admit that? See, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to work those areas out to help us so that we can truly become reconcilers and not separators And many times this work begins with healing. And and I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, He's the one that can come and bring healing to our deepest wounds. We need to trust Him with those areas. We need to open our hearts up to those deep areas in our lives. I think for some of us, some of the deepest wounds we carry were caused by racism and hatred and bigotry. And see, the church is supposed to be a place where that healing could happen. And that's our call. That's who we are. Our community, our church should be representative of heaven's culture. We should be reflective of the heart of God in everything we say and everything we do. So how do we do that? I mean, that's really the big question, right? How do we do that? How do we get there? How do we continue to be there and fight for that and be that? Because it's going to definitely be a lot of work. How did the early church, because that's what I look at, how did the early church be, how were they able To do that? How were they able to find healing and unity in a culture that felt so bitterly divided? And I don't know. I feel like in this generation right now, we seem more divided than ever. Well, I want to help you, and I want to pull out of a passage of scripture out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. And out of there, I pulled out some things that might help us to give us a little bit of a roadmap of how to be able to work this out practically. I just did it with, with four words here remember the cross. Reflect and recognize your need for the cross. Repent and respond. All our words, just to make it a little easier on us, right? So Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 13. See, Paul is writing this letter to a church that was racially divided, and he wanted them to understand how critical unity is for the kingdom of God. So that's kind of his intent here. And this is what he says, verse 13, he says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far from him, but now you have been brought near him through the blood of Jesus. See, we see right there that the work of Christ was to reconcile us back to the Father. That's his nature. That's what his mission was. It says, verse 14, for Christ himself was, has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentile into one people. That's huge. You got to know, that's huge. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commands and regulations. He made peace between Jew and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. Listen to this. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought the good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near this is the best one right here. It says, now all of us, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. There is no second-class citizens in heaven, amen? There's no second-class citizens in God's eyes. We all have the same Holy Spirit, the one Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. This is because of, that, of what Christ has done for us. In other words, Christian unity is only possible through the Holy Spirit because of Christ's work on the cross. So we need to remember the cross, Because it was on the cross. You know what he did? Jesus not only built us a bridge to the Father, but he also tore down a wall of hostility that we had for one another. See, the work of the cross is both vertical and horizontal. A lot of times we forget that and we make our relationship with God so vertical. It's all about us and God, us and God. And we have to remember that your relationship with God is connected to your relationship with other people. That's why Jesus says that the greatest command is this, is to love God with all of your strength, all of your heart, all of your mind. And he says "And the second commandment is just as equal to it. And it's love your neighbor as yourself. And when Jesus was talking about this, someone came to him and said, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered that question by addressing the racism and the prejudice towards a group of people in that day. Remember that story of the Good Samaritan? man it ruffled some feathers see the samaritans were those people in the eyes and the hearts of the people that Jesus was talking to let me ask you do you, do you have those people in your heart and your mind because that's who Jesus says is your neighbor now i know my audience right now i know who i'm speaking to you know most of you love Jesus you know you're watching today because you want to learn and understand how to follow Jesus you just got done worshiping Jesus Okay, I, I know, I know, who you are, and you might be thinking, know, I, I don't, I don't have any hatred towards people. I have no prejudice towards people. I mean, you might even just hear this this moment and feel like that's a little offensive to you. But I have to ask you to dig a little deeper in yourself right now and wonder: Have I been influenced by culture? Have I been influenced by the background that I grew up in? Do I stereotype other people? Do I, have I allowed that stereotype that I hear and that I've been accustomed to? Do I let it shift my worldview? Am I more comfortable with a certain group of people and am I less comfortable with another group of people? Wow. Now, I want to tell you, this is way beyond race. It can be people who vote differently than you do. It could be people who live on other parts of the country. I remember uh, growing up here, coming from California. I remember coming into Washington, you know, and, and I started hearing a lot of comments, bad comments, negative comments about people from California here in this state. Huh. Surprising, huh? And I remember I started hearing that talk and I was even embarrassed to tell people I was from California because I knew it would get a negative reaction. Sometimes people have negative reaction towards people from the South or the Northeast. I mean, those are the type of things that we need to really consider because we've allowed that to be in our hearts and in our minds because it plays out in our culture. But we're not like that. We shouldn't be. Are we feeling uncomfortable? Do we, do we not include the people that have a different belief or a different faith than we do? You know, the Apostle John talks about this in his writings. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If anyone boasts that I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, think nothing of it because he's a liar. If he won't love the person he sees, how can he love a God he cannot see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Love God includes loving people. You've got to love both. See, loving God should impact our love for others. Now, here's the thing. Is this was actually happening in the early church. People who were divided, people who were separated, people who have different cultures, they were actually starting to become one and become unified. And the world at the time didn't understand it. This was, this was mind-boggling. It was actually happening. And this was a mystery to the ancient world. So how is this possible? See, this gives me hope because I see that it was played out in that early church. We have proof of it actually happening and we see it in our day, but we have to continue to fight for this and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work because it was through the Spirit. But there's also another thing, There was some, and through the Spirit is this, is that the cross, it was all about the cross because the cross makes the difference, right? The cross is the, is the I like to say the great, emissifier. You might say, what is emissifier? What is that? Well, I learned what an emissifier is through watching the Food Network, <laughs> all right? An emissifier is this ingredient that you add to two ingredients that don't mix well. And, 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 let me give you an example. It's like mayonnaise, right? We know mayonnaise, uh, some of the ingredients is oil and vinegar, and we know oil and vinegar do not mix. So what do you do? You add an emissifier, and that's egg, right? And you blend that together, and it becomes something new. Paul's saying that God provided us a great emissifier of groups of people. Mm-hmm. Ephesians says that the emissifier was the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus brought two different races, cultures, gender, age, backgrounds together to become one people. The blood of Jesus gave us peace with God and it also offers us peace with each other. The only, only, This only works though if we do not abandon the cross and the message of the cross because I want to tell you that the cross is the great equalizer. See, we are all sinners in need of grace when we look at the cross. But if we forget the cross, then we become susceptible to begin to think that we're better than other people. We begin to have this us and them attitude. We might even start to begin to think that our sin is less than other people's sin, which makes us better than we got to guard our hearts from this because unfortunately, when you begin to, to breed that feeling of superiority in your heart, once you start thinking that way, it becomes so much more easier to put a label on a person or a group of people. Okay. Jesus united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people with his body on the cross. He also broke down the wall of hostility that separated people. So he did the work. But here's the thing, friends. We have to surrender to that process. It is our choice to surrender to that. See, when we read the church history, when we read the history in the book of Acts, we see that it was a process. They didn't get there overnight. They had to work on it continuously. And I believe that we're not going to eradicate this in our hearts overnight, but it has to be something that we have to work on continuously as well. See, if we want to be people of reconciliation, then we need to first check our own hearts. We need to evaluate. We need to be educated. We need to show up and do the hard work. We have to put it in ourselves in the process of doing that inward work. So to help us out with that this morning, to get a jump start, to get this thing going and moving, because I think many of us want to, and we need to check our hearts often. I I want to give you a couple of questions in regards to this subject and this topic, a couple of questions. If you could be honest, if you could take this journey along with us, If this really matters to you, then I want you to ask yourself these questions because this is going to help you reflect and recognize your need for the cross. The first question is this, is what message about race did you receive from your family growing up? See, like it or not, our families have shaped us and we are shaping the next generation. That's why it's so important for you to have these conversations with your family. But we have to recognize this, is that we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. You know, I heard an old saying this, and maybe it's a Southern thing or whatever, but they say you might have Jesus in your heart, but you got grandpa in your bones. Mm -hmm. See, our background, our culture, and our past experience have impacted more than we know. And you may be a Christian, but you got to really be honest with yourself about what have shaped your worldview, no matter how uncomfortable it might feel. We all got to do this. We all have to have a moment to really dig deep. Second question is this, is, Who were the people that you were taught to fear? Who were the people that you were taught to fear? Again, you need to have this self-reflection moment. It's so important. And I want to encourage you to talk to somebody that you trust. Have an honest dialogue with them. Just because we're Christians does not mean that we don't have blind spots. I'm telling you, there's some, some deep conversations that need to happen. But I think that if you talk about these questions, if you reflect on these questions, and if you honestly answer them, I think that that's the first step of allowing the Holy Spirit to do that real work in you to transform your heart into a heart of a reconciler. And it will take the spirit of humility and it will take an extension of grace from one another for, for one another. Because once we recognize that we have this mindset then our, from our attitudes and our past experience and what has caused us to divide ourselves with someone or, or a certain group of people, then what's the next step? What do we do then? Uh, once we recognize it, we have to bring a heart of repentance before God. Remember racism and, and, and bigotry and prejudice, it all comes from a heart of pride, doesn't it? See, when we, ch- we can change that by having a heart of humility. And I'm not talking about false humility. that says, oh, woe is me, I'm a terrible person. But I'm talking about real humility that says, God, I can't do this without you. James 4, 6 says, God oppresses, uh, opposes, not oppresses, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, here's the thing. Repentance doesn't mean feeling bad. It doesn't mean just feeling guilty, feeling bad about something. That's called remorse. See, repentance is a decision more than it is a feeling. It's a decision to turn from what was and turning towards what needs to be. That's what I'm talking about, repentance. It takes action. It's not just talk. It's not just feeling bad, but it's actually doing something about it. So when I repent to God of having a heart of pride, a heart of prejudice or a judgmental attitude, what I do is I first begin to ask for help. That's humility and action right there. I say, God, I can't do this without you. And then as I do that, I trust the word of God. It says that when I do that, he's faithful to forgive me. And I find forgiveness. And I also find grace to help me do the hard work of trying to live a different way. Allowing God to renew my mind each day. See, we have to be a church. A church community is not afraid to do the hard work of self-reflection and repentance for the sake of unity. Even if it's hard and even if it's uncomfortable. Now, I want to say this too. When I talk about Jesus making us one, I'm not talking about uniformity, okay? I'm talking about unity. See, I believe that God God loves diversity. I mean, I believe that with all my heart. God loves diversity. God is not colorblind, and neither should we. There's beauty in diversity. I, I love the different cultures. I love the richness of what God did when he created mankind. I don't believe the goal for a Christian is to be colorblind, not only is that impossible, but I think that it's actually harmful. See, a colorblind mindset says this is that it says that you don't you don't I don't I don't notice someone because they don't look like me, therefore I won't take time to understand their differences. Being a Christian means that we carry the heart of God and we strive to blend together and be united with one another. Yeah. But allowing the Holy Spirit to do the hard work, the deep work of reconciling our hearts with Him and with each other, one conversation at a time, one healing moment at a time. See, the Holy Spirit wants us to transform how we relate to one another. Have you ever thought about that? Not just, just in our little circles, but to the world. And, and, and we see that God loves diversity, he created diversity. I had a conversation with somebody who just lost a loved one, and, and one of the questions that they had was, was, would I recognize my loved one when I see them in heaven? And I got into a conversation about ethnicities. And I said, of course, because I believe that you're still going to be the same ethnicity uh, in heaven as you are on earth. And I'm pretty excited about that, you know? And and, and he's never thought of it that way. He's like, oh, I just thought we, I don't know what I thought. He goes, I just didn't think that was there. And so I pointed him to a passage of scripture that I want to point to today, is that when I see the diversity of our people on earth, I see that it's an absolute, uh, 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 just a display of God's, God's creative beauty and all creation. How do I know that diversity continues in heaven? It says this in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. It says, after that I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in the front of the throne before the Lamb. And they were clothed with white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. They had one voice, unified under one thing. And what was the one thing? It says this, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. They were united under Christ and His finished work on the cross. You know, we've been doing our essential series lately, and we've been talking about heaven on earth. We said that that we have access to heaven and that that's the perspective that we need to have through all things, in all things. And the eternal perspective is this, is that God wants a multi-ethnic family. And I just, been my prayer, especially this week, I said, God, I pray that prayer, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see that that's a glimpse of heaven, and I want to see that on earth. And our churches need to reflect the heart of God. You know, Galatians 3, 26, it says this, it says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been unified with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. In other words, there's a new way to live in Christ says, there is no longer a Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Let me tell you, when Paul wrote these words, I'm telling you, it shook the first century. It wrecked the Jews and the Gentiles' worldview. Never before in the history of humanity did someone ever be bold enough to declare equality between the races and the classes and the sexes. The gospel of Jesus and his church knocked down every divided wall. Unity in Christ. Listen to what it said. Every tongue, every tribe, every people united under the banner of Christ. And that, my friends, was the message of the early church. And it still needs to be the message of the church today. And if the early church, if they had to work out this issue, because it was an issue, I'm telling you, if they weren't allowed or if they weren't able, if they weren't responsive to the Holy Spirit to work out that issue, none of us would be here today. (laughs) But they did. And they didn't wait. For their government or their ruling authorities to lead them into it. Actually, they were persecuted because of it. Because they started with doing it among themselves. And they continued to keep that as the forefront of their gospel message that they preached in their own communities. And it wasn't just lip service, it was life service. It was how they lived among the people that really made people understand that this has got to be a real thing and how is this possible? We need to do the same. Because why? Because now we're the ones in charge of the gospel for this generation and for the next. And we're going to need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead us in that. In order to do that, we have to remember the cross. We have to reflect and recognize our need for the cross. We have to understand that we do have blind spots and we need to work through that because that's the sinful nature part of us. And part of it is to recognize it and to work through that. See, we cannot expect the Holy Spirit to to come and help change our community if we're not allowing Him to change us first. So we need to have this heart of repentance. See, prejudice is not, it's impossible to see through the mirror, right? Can't see that when you look in the mirror because it's usually buried in the heart. And so the way to really work this out is that you got to be like the psalmist when he said this in Psalms 139, where he says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting I don't know if you've ever asked somebody or brought somebody in, maybe a person, of or whatever, and you said, hey, was there anything offensive that I said? Would you be willing to have that conversation? Would you be so bold to sit across somebody and ask that question and receive the answer? Maybe it might be uncomfortable. Maybe it's just, oh, no. And, and maybe if you've been on the other end of that, and, and, and would you be bold enough to, to share your answer? Is there enough love and mutual respect and, and grace in that relationship where you could have those conversations? Because if we don't have those conversations, I'm telling you, then I don't believe that real transformation can fully occur. But this is what we stand on. This is what the Holy Spirit will bring into a community if we really believe this stuff. If we really allow God to work in the way He wants to work. But it starts with us. It starts. That's the only thing that we can do and how we should, should respond on the first step. The last thing that I want to leave you with is, is that we need to not just react, but we need to respond. See, a reaction is something impulsive, right? We just, we just do something real quick, like, like posting something on social media. And I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with you posting that. I think a lot of us reacted that way because of what we saw and what we heard. And there was a quick reaction. And there's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. Let your voice be heard. But a response and responding is thinking through the follow-through. Responding is being committed to the change that you want to see. And so we have to learn that we have, this demands a response, not a reaction. Yeah. So the final question for you, and this is what I want to close you out with, this is what I want to end it with, is what can I do this week to take a step towards unity? Can we do that? Can we, can we open up our lives? Can we open up our hearts? Can we open up this part of us to say, what can we do this, this week? What could be my first step? And I think it starts out with, with asking questions with having conversations, with bringing people in your life that, that, that maybe have a different background in you and, and bring them in and, and talk with them and share your heart with them and listen to them. Think about what they said and what they shared. Maybe instead of posting a political or divisive post on Facebook, maybe it's all about meeting with somebody face-to-face. Maybe it could be over Zoom right now because we're trying to be careful. We also must not forget the many men and women who serve in our police force. The many who have continued to serve with integrity. You know, my little brother is one of them and I'm so proud of him. And I know there's many in our congregation that, that, that serve selflessly. I'm telling you that uh, I've been able to work with a lot of these, these, these police officers in our own city. We've done events together. We're partnering together. And I've been alongside them. And I'm telling you that there are some of the most compassionate people, some of the most faith, uh, selfless people that I know. And we need, to, we need to protect them. We need to pray for them. We need to cover them. We need to support them. And we need to continue to pray for their safety because we have to stand united. We want to be known as reconcilers. In this divisive culture so will you choose today will you choose to be one one that would be so bold to step out and to remember to recognize maybe some things to repent of those things and to respond with the commitment to be part of the change i mean that's really what it's about and when you do this i believe that when you do this there'll be some healing that comes healing that comes into our nation but the church has to rise up in this moment so wherever you're at right now, can you grab? If you can grab somebody's hand, we're gonna pray because this is important. We gotta we gotta bring this before God. Everything that I said, I know I said a lot. I know it's heavy. I know there's a lot going on. Maybe some lot of things stirred up in you. But I'm just gonna believe that the Lord knows exactly where you're at, and He's gonna help guide you into this next step of this action step, this response moment. And then do it as a family. So let's pray. Let's, Lord, we just lift up. Everyone today feels broken because of this, Lord God. And I pray, God, that, that in that brokenness, Lord God, that you could still get through, God, that you could still come and that you would heal the brokenness, Lord. Not only with what we feel, but what we see, God, and what we see in our communities, what we see in our nation, God. It is, it is broken. It is in need of you. And you're the only one that can come and heal. We believe that it's your gospel message that will come and make transformational uh, ha- transformation happen. But God, we're asking together as a people, as a body, God, we're saying, Lord, start the work with us first. Work it in me, God. Show me, God, if there's any way in me, God, that is offensive or wicked or anything that I've picked up along my life, God, that we know does not honor you, does not love my neighbor. And I pray, God, that that would be released to you, God, that that would be something that I allow you into my life to renew my mind and to renew my heart with. And I believe this is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Teach us, God, show us the next step. Show us to continue to fight the good fight, Lord. To help be a voice, to help stand true to what the gospel says we are. And that's peacemakers, reconcilers, those that can bring hope to a hopeless situation. We want to be your messengers, God. So teach us and show us. We love you. We're together. We're united in this. We pray a protection over all those that are out there serving and protecting our communities, God. We pray a covering over them today as well. Be with them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends. Thank you for letting me have the time today. Pray that you reflect on this. Hey, if you want to talk more about this subject or you have some more thoughts and comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. I'd be happy to hear from you and talk to you and dialogue more with you. Continue to pray. Uh, Tuesday night, we have prayer meeting at 6.06, so we want to see you there. We definitely got a lot that we want to bring before God. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week
1: as you are continuing to uh, get into the word reflect on the message we want to hear from you you can email us you can uh, text the number on the bottom of the screen also if you have those high school graduates don't forget to send in their name and a picture to info at gcfw.org we love you we cannot wait to meet with you again in person until then keep joining us every week we'll see you next week